talk about the meaning of life. <laughs> now, this is a topic that a lot of people get scared of. They run away from. And as soon as I mention something like that, they think, oh, he's talking about straight philosophy. This isn't going to be practical at all. No, you idiot. This is going to be the most practical thing you've ever understood. Understand the meaning of life and you understand everything else. You understand everything you need to do in your life. It's, it gives you clear direction. It gives you what do you have to do in the morning? What do you have to do in the middle of the afternoon? What do you have to do at night? It gives you everything right then and there. So what is the meaning of life? Guess what? We've already defined it. You can go to a biology textbook and you can figure it out. When you're looking for the meaning of life, look at every single thing that you've ever seen that's alive and try to figure out what remains constant, what remains consistent among all of those different things. So I look at an amoeba. I look at a mushroom. I look at a tree. I look at a cheetah. I look at a dog. I look at a dolphin. I look at an alligator. I look at you. I look at me. And what remains constant? Five things. Life equals anything that you see that grows, evolves, responds to its environment, maintains balance in the face of chaos, so maintains a homeostatic balance, and acts to increase its reproductive fitness. Any single thing that demonstrates all five of those is a thing that's alive. That's a biological fact. Okay, this is not something that's a, a philosophical argument that you have to figure out. No, no. We can look at anything and it will have those five things if it's alive. Now, what I propose to you is that through evolution, through time, through the reproduction of organisms for eons, we've developed consciousness of something known as happiness. Okay, happiness developed as a direct indicator of the presence of the signs of life. So I don't care if you give me a cockroach or an alligator or a cheetah or a monkey or a great ape or a human, which is a type of great ape. If that thing is growing and evolving and able to respond to its environment and able to maintain balance in the face of chaos and able to increase its reproductive fitness, then it is, an, it is a happy organism. Okay, so what have we done here? We just linked something that's the most subjective thing possible, happiness. Something that very few people can define and we've linked it with the most objective thing possible, the presence of life. Life equals happiness because every single time we have the signs of life, we have happiness. And every single time we have true happiness, not pleasure, not, grat not satisfaction, not gratification, but true happiness, that satisfaction of knowing that you're growing, evolving, and responding to your environment and maintaining balance in the face of chaos and increasing your productive fitness, then you are alive. Okay, this is important because it's going to form the basis of everything else we're going to talk about. In our grand psychological model, our grand spiritual model, our, our grand practical model of the human mind. Let's continue. So the body and mind of every creature is developed to sustain the signs of life. And considering that we just said that, that life equals happiness, that means that the body and mind of every creature is developed to sustain the signs of happiness. Now, this might be surprising. You might be like, but TJ, 
I have so much pain in my life. I suffer all the time in my life. Like, what are you talking about? That's crazy talk. Well, what if I propose to you that every single time that you feel sad or you feel angry or you're doing all these other things, it's because it's trying to motivate you to once again take the actions necessary to grow, evolve, maintain violence, respond to your environment, and increase your reproductive fitness. So at the end of the day, all those other emotions that you have still break down into making you take actions that sustain life and thus will sustain happiness you see so when we talk about humans okay what type of actions do we take right what we are as humans is that we are the most complex adaptive movers on the planet and for now that we know of in the entire universe okay any challenge we face, anything that you throw at us, we're going to come up with new ideas to go around it. We're going to engineer something, maybe to even change our biology or change our situation or change places or be able to adapt to the cold or be able to adapt to the heat. We find nooks and crannies and we take over those nooks and crannies. Now, the problem is that we've built a world that rewards specialized, immobile, unbalanced, non-complex imprisonment, okay? We've built a world where we reward people for doing the type of shit that nobody wants to do. And so it's created a grand race for who can hold their breath the longest and who can do the most shit that nobody wants to do. But part of the reason nobody wants to do it is because it doesn't necessarily increase your life in the moment, increase the signs of life in that very moment. Maybe in the long term, but in the short term, it's going to be really painful and really hard. So no one does it. So what happens? Okay. We take an organism, a species that's able to be very generalized, that is supposed to be able to adapt to new situations. And we put them in situations that are repetitive, that are doing the exact same thing over and over and over and over and over without new ideas. And this is largely accomplished through distractions and illusions, and it leads to suffering, okay? We are beasts of burden. We can take on repetitive actions. We can do boring things, but it's not necessarily the thing that we want to do to thrive in, okay? Really, there's a matter of having order and having that repetition, but we also want to be able to go expand ourselves whenever we want to or whenever we need to. So again, it creates suffering when uh, when we're just not in keeping with our actual nature. Let's go further and let's let's talk more about this idea of suffering. Okay, so to understand suffering, consider that life is the opposite of death. That's not a crazy statement right there. Death, life is the opposite of death. Like that should be a no shit statement. So if earlier we said that life means growing, evolving, responding to the environment, maintaining balance in the face of chaos, increasing reproductive fitness, then it follows that if death is the opposite, death must mean the opposite of every single one of those terms. And indeed, this is what we see. When we see an organism that's weakening, that's stagnating, that's regressing, it's not evolving, okay? It, it has no ability to respond to its environment. It has no response ability. It has no responsibility. When we see an organism that comes unbalanced in the face of chaos, when we see an organism that's lowering its own reproductive fitness, then you know what we can say about that organism? It's dying. 
So suffering developed as a direct indicator of the presence of the signs of death. It's, it's a way for an organism to know, oh, hey, I'm dying. <laughs> Let me not do that anymore. <laughs> and so what have we done just now? The same way that we said that life equals happiness, what I propose to you is that death equals suffering or suffering equals death. And so earlier I mentioned how we have to have illusions and distractions in our life to keep us doing these stupid things that we don't actually want to do that aren't actually important. Well, illusions are things that waste our time, our energy, and our skill by promising to give us life, but actually giving us death. Okay, illusions are a subset of distractions, and distractions are simply things that make us look away from our primary focus. Okay, the primary focus of growing and evolving and responding to our environment and maintaining balance in the face of chaos and increasing our reproductive fitness. Okay, and so overall, to become fully human again, we must remove the distractions and illusions that keep us from our primary focus. Okay, we have to remove the bullshit in our lives. And we can define bullshit as everything that's a distraction and illusion. And when you remove bullshit, you naturally become happy because as an organism, you cannot do anything but naturally do things that grow you and evolve you and make you respond and make you maintain balance and increase your reproductive fitness. Literally by the very fact that you are alive as an organism. So life equals happiness and that equals spotting bullshit, recognizing bullshit, understanding when there is bullshit present in your life. Because again, as soon as you remove that, as soon as you recognize it's bullshit, you have no choice but to act in such a way that you are able to sustain and grow your life. So what are we talking about when we talk about bullshit, okay? Bullshit is anything that takes away meaning from your life. Bullshit is anything that disempowers you. Bullshit is anything that lowers your social influence unnecessarily. Bullshit is anything that keeps life overwhelmingly predictable or overwhelmingly unpredictable. Bullshit is anything that maintains a distraction through scarcity, okay? Anything that makes you believe that you have to freak out and act in a rash way in a short-term mindset that makes you go away from your core values, make you go away from growing and evolving and responding and uh, increasing your productive fitness, okay? Bullshit is the stuff that makes you disconnected and not part of your work. And bullshit is what makes you not have any motivation towards accomplishing things and towards achieving things and towards becoming the person that you could become. So as soon as you spot bullshit, you can't help but remove it. But the hard part is spotting bullshit, okay? The hard part is realizing that something is bullshit. And this is why the body and mind and the mind-body connection evolved to help spot bullshit. So when I say the body-mind connection, I'm talking about the neurons, the nerves, the sensations that go from the body to tell the mind that something is awry, okay? It's something about the taste, about the feel of things, the actual physical pain that you experience. That's telling the mind, hey, these things aren't right. But then the mind exists Okay, to talk to the body and tell it about future bullshit that might happen. 
things that might pop up that are not unnecessary. And it's actually better to have an imaginary version of you die than the actual version of you die. And that's why we developed imagination, we developed thought processes, and we developed the ability to speak language, all of these different things. So what I propose to you is that life is personal development. And personal development is life. It shouldn't be that, oh, okay, I have my life over here and then I have this section that I'm gonna call personal development. So like, I just started doing personal development. Like, I just got into it. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Your whole entire life has been personal development. It's about developing the body-mind connection, developing the mind-body connection, spotting bullshit in your life, preventing immobilization, preventing unbalance, preventing things from keeping you held back, having mindful specialization for the ability to generalize, okay? You specialize to then be able to generalize. You go deep into certain things so that when you're the best at them, you can then go and have fun with as many different things as you want and try as many things that you want. And overall, it's about creating a more powerful life. Now, some people get scared about what power means and like they, they think of power, they think of like Thanos from the Avengers and they automatically associate it with villains. Like if someone were to say, I'm, I, all I want to be is the most powerful man on the planet, we look at them and say, you're a delusional, egotistical bastard. But the thing is that power is the ability to attain more favorable outcomes. Why wouldn't you? want more power? Why wouldn't you want to attain a more favorable outcome? And if you're truly conscious, if you truly understand who you are and your relationship to other people, if you truly understand the fact that 99.5% of your genetics is shared with everybody you've ever looked at, then you'll understand that the most favorable outcome is that everybody does well. Because when everybody does well, so do you. So does your own genetics. Because they contain 99.5% of you. And that's a biological fact. That's not something up for spiritual debate. So to not explore the mind-body connection, that's bullshit. To not explore the mind-body connection, that's bullshit. Yet most people love to reject one in favor of the other. Consciousness exists for movement upwards. The mind exists for movement upwards. The body exists for movement upwards. Your emotions exist for movement upwards. And even suffering, even suffering, even the most painful moments you've ever had in your life, you know why they were so painful? So that you would remember it. So that you would move upwards. To ignore any single one of these aspects of your life, your mind, your body, the emotions that you gain from the relationship you have to other things and other people, and and the ability you have to show up with them, to ignore any one of these things is bullshit. So let's move on. What we have here, what we're looking at is... Uh, is a map that I have. It's a diagram. It's an image. And so it has these, uh, this quadrant, these four squares. And one says the interior of the individual and the, and then we have the exterior of individuals. And then we have the interior of the collective. And then we have the exterior of the collective. And then we have some spirals that go upwards and it looks like a little cone. And then it looks like another cone that goes that's upside down and, and going upwards and outwards. And we have a bunch of words here, but 
And then we have on the side, we have one half that says non-neediness, another half that says neediness. And uh, that's what we're going to be explaining here. And that's what we're going to be discussing here. So we start from the very, very beginning as we attempt to understand non-duality. We attempt to understand the nature of non-distinction and the nature of distinction. And uh, we have a picture here of the yin-yang symbol. Okay. So the yin-yang symbol, it represents order and chaos. It represents dualities. It re represents the fact that every single thing that's ever existed, that you can ever picture, that you can ever notice in your mind, you can ever experience, okay, you have that thing and then what it is like to not have that thing or the opposite of that thing, okay? You have A and not A, and that's what's represented by yin-yang symbol. But the thing about it is that since you can only have A or you can have not A, right? The truth is that everything is both A and not A at the same time. This is non-duality, okay? It's not one thing, it's not just A, and it's not just not A, but it's both, and yet it's neither. That's what we call, we don't just say, oh, it's uh, it's oneness, okay? Because oneness doesn't even describe it because we do have, a, there's clearly a difference between A and not A, but they need each other. Okay, so let's talk about the interior and the exterior, okay? Your subjective aspects and your objective aspects. Every single thing you've ever seen and everything you've ever experienced has a subjective aspect and an objective aspect, an interior and an exterior to it. So for example, if I step on a cat's tail, it will shriek out of pain. But, that, and I can describe that appropriately, that, that it, it's, it's screaming because it experienced pain. Like that makes sense. Like, okay, that's why the cat did that. But I could also say that when I stepped on the cat's tail, it ran away due to its fight or flight response that is pre-programmed into its neurons. And as soon as I stepped onto it, it activate a series of chemical, electrochemical reactions that caused the cat to run away. So I can look at it both as a machine and as a conscious being, okay? I can also apply that to myself. I can feel the the pressure on my shoulder when I tackle my opponent in a play of football. And I could also describe it that my nerve cells were responding to the pressure points on my shoulder as I tackle my opponent, right? Now, that's one distinction we can make. Another distinction we can make is individuals and the collective, okay? So every single thing is nested within a bigger thing. So you ever see those uh, Russian nesting dolls? You know which ones I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all of reality is like this. So you have, like, just look at yourself, right? Let's start with you physically sitting here. And let's go upwards. So you physically sitting here, you're part of this apartment. So it's you and me sitting here, right? Then we can also talk about the entire population of Greenville, right? So you and me in this apartment is part of the entire population of Greenville. And the entire population of Greenville is part of the entire state of South Carolina. And the entire state of South Carolina is part of America. And the America is part of the earth. And the earth is part of the, the universe. And the universe is part of another universe. <laughs> so it just continues further and further and further outwards infinitely. Okay. What about, what if we go magnify you? Okay, so I take a magnifying glass and I look at your cheek. And then your cheek is made out of cells. And then those cells are made out of molecules. And those molecules have atoms. And those atoms have subatomic particles. And those subatomic particles have 
micro particles, particles that are even tinier than that and then tinier than that and it goes on infinitely forever, okay? It goes on so infinitely that I can't say that there's any point where it stops. Because there's not enough light to bounce off. To there's there's not even that. There's just it just doesn't stop. It just doesn't stop. And it's crazy how small it gets. It doesn't it doesn't ever end. It's infinite. So I can go upwards with a like I can zoom out infinitely and I can zoom in infinitely. That's another reason we can't say it's one thing because there's no place for me to be able to be like, oh, we finally found it. Like from here, this is the foundation to then be able to talk about everything else. There is no thing like that except for one, one thing that is like that. And that's consciousness. Consciousness is the one thing that you never escaped. So if I take a rock, so remember how I said we can zoom out? Okay, so let's say I take this magical rocket ship to the edge of the universe, and I kept on flying my little rocket ship, and I kept flying more and more and more past the edge of the universe. You know what I never escaped? I never escaped my own consciousness, which is still in the rocket ship, still flying. And if I took this magnifying glass and I zoomed in magically and I kept zooming in and zooming in and zooming in and zooming in infinitely, then guess what? I wouldn't escape. <laughs> I still wouldn't escape my own consciousness and still be conscious of whatever subatomic particle it is in this hypothetical situation where we have like, you know, the magical school bus or something. So now that we understand that, we understand we can put them together, okay? So everything has the subjective aspect of the individual. So just looking at that one specific thing that's in question, okay? So like you as a human, as an individual, and we can look at your subjective experience as an individual. And then I can look at the objective aspects of you as an individual. So there's stuff that only you understand, and then there's stuff that everybody in the room can see that I can record with an iPhone, that I can record with some piece of equipment that has nothing to do with your own mind. And similarly, there's the subjective aspect of what it's like to be part of the collective. There's stuff that you couldn't understand unless you're part of that group. You couldn't understand this conversation unless you're sitting in on it. You couldn't understand what it's like to be a University of Miami football fan and, um, and say, hey, yeah, University of Miami is back again, okay? You don't understand what that's like unless you're a University of Miami football fan. And if you're an outsider saying that and say, yeah, I know that they're back again, you'd be like, no, you don't. You're not part of us, right? And we get that. But there's also the exterior aspect. I can still say, hey, UM won a football game. Right? So there's so I can still examine the group from an objective level. So what I propose to you is that Eastern religion, Eastern spirituality is always about understanding the subjective aspects of your own experience as an individual. And then what I propose to you is that things like neuroscience, things like um, you know physiology, things like medicine are studying you, on external level and realizing the facts from an objective perspective of you as an individual, okay? And the just same way that there's right and wrong answers in Eastern spirituality, there's also right and wrong answers when it comes to medicine. Then there's also psychology, which examines what it's like to be present there in the relationship between one person and the other that person, but when you're within there in the conversation. It's, and, and philosophy is about this too, okay? And cognitive science is about this as well. 
It's understanding what it's like when you're in the conversation, when you two are in there in the middle of the conversation examining whatever topic it is. And then there's sociology, which examines the group as a whole, but from an outsider's perspective. So example, and, and also there's history. So I can look at, for example, um, ancient China. I, I don't know anything about ancient. I, I didn't live in ancient China, but can I find things out about ancient China? Yeah, sure, I can. And from this, we're going to be going even further because we can use those right and wrong answers to help ourselves at. Because again, anything that's ever happened in our lives, it's happened from the subjective experience of us as an individual. It's happened as a physical, physiological matter, like us as organisms. It's been nested within the culture that we live in. And also it's nested within some time period in history and the impact that we've overall had with history as viewed from an outsider, as viewed from an alien, as viewed from someone who's not within that culture. Okay. And, uh, you know, throughout this, we're going to remember that change is the only constant. Okay. This is, this is the absolute truth. This is what sets up suffering. This is what sets up so many different problems in our lives. The fact that things are constantly changing. So in all of those things I talked about, how there's the interior of the individual and there's the exterior of the individual and there's, you know, this and that and all of that, right? You know, what's the one thing that remains constant? Change. No matter what, in every single one of those aspects, from all those different views, from Eastern spirituality and, and science and sociology and psychology and all these different things, change is always, always present. And so, as I mentioned earlier, we are the world's most dominant animals because we are the world's most complex movers. Because change favors complexity. And so let's go further. So we have the foremost concepts to practice if you are a human, right? And as I just mentioned, it's like the world's changing, so you better get very complex with your movement. So the first thing that we have to focus on is our movement complexity. And the next thing is our mobility, our range of motion, okay? So are we able to move complexly? Are we able to handle newer, greater, bigger challenges in more nuanced ways to create better, more favorable outcomes for ourselves? Do we have greater range of motion? Are we able to take, are we able to have more options in how we're going to act? And then after that, do we have the proper strength? Not just strength, raw strength where we start breaking things, but are we able to apply strength in the right areas? And lastly, are we going to have the enough expertise to be able to gain and increase every single one of those skill sets? Because, you know, movement complexity, mobility, strength in the right areas, they're all skill sets. So I call that mastery of mastery, which is just isolating things, integrating things, and improvising things. So we're going to talk about the mastery process. And the mastery process is something that's applied to your mind and your body and your relationships and your business but no matter what if you're going to be improving in anything you're going to be uh, you're going to be improving by using the mastery process which has three elements so you're going to be isolating things you're going to be integrating those ideas that you just got from isolation and then you're going to be improvising in that specific order so what is isolation okay it's it's basic focus on the fundamentals this is like for example when you're a child you learn the abc's and just focus on the letters and you just learn all the letters like what the sounds the letters make right and you basically deconstruct it you select what's important you sequence it you raise the stakes and then you 
go out there and you nail it down through practice. Then eventually you start taking those elements and you start making something a little bit more complex. Okay. So what, what does complexity means? It means you added something on, you took what was already there and then you made something new by combining elements. So like I take the letters of the alphabet and I combine them and now I'm forming words. That's pretty incredible. And when I start forming words, now I'm forming sentences and then I can form paragraphs and then essays. And then I can talk about rocket science if I want eventually right? But for now, I'm integrating them. And it's that practice of like, hey, I can combine these things to meet new challenges. So isolation is very boring. And it's rote. And it's just repeating things over and over and over to nail down the fundamentals. Integration is you get thrown specific challenges that you know you could, you could basically meet, but it's like it's like putting together those ideas for the first time. And then improvisation is the highest form of mastery. It's when you start playing around. It's when you start connecting things that have never been connected before by anybody else. It's when you see what's never been seen. And what I tell you is that the game of life, you know, what we called earlier as happiness, what we called earlier as spotting bullshit, what we called earlier as personal development, it's this game. And the the best level you can get to is when you're basically just having improv in life. When you That's like the improv with the trampoline throwing it at from forty feet. Yeah. It's not like yeah, exactly. So yeah, so you know, we were just talking about this example where, you know, watermelons have been along for a long time and trampolines have been along for a long time and video has been along for a long time and towers have been along for a long time but you know what it was some australian guys who took a watermelon and walked 45 feet up in the air and dropped it onto a trampoline from 45 up feet up in the air and recorded it and you know what that blew up because no one else thought of doing that and that was a form of play they were just playing around but it blew up and they were very successful for doing that so what i propose to you is that you're going to be looking at yourself from the interior individual self okay you know your your own in other words let's just call it as as it is your own mind you're going to look at your own mind and you're going to say how can i isolate things and then integrate practices to eventually improvise new ideas to get myself to a never-before-seen level in my mind. And we can do the same thing with our body, which is the exterior of the individual, okay? What things am I going to be doing to isolate certain practices and then integrate these practices and then improvise with how I'm using my body? You know, new exercises combined with new powders, combined with new forms of nutrition, combined with new forms of sleep, right? So that I'm more powerful than ever seen before. And then the same with your relationships. You learn things about how uh, men and women interact. You learn about how age interacts. You learn about how uh, you get motivated and then you you isolate those things, you integrate those things and then you improvise in your own relationships and you create something new, you build something new with your relationships and that's fun when you have good conversations, you bring that to the table and you build something that's never been seen before and you dominate that aspect. And then you look at your business and you look at other, you know, you look at what else you could learn. You isolate those things. You spend a lot of time studying and researching and, and you practicing. And then you integrate maybe one or two areas that have never been integrated before. 
And all of a sudden, you can start improvising because you're the only other person in the world who knows how to do it. So, you know, I'm going to talk about myself on this one, for example, okay? I'm the only person that I know of on the planet who went to a top research in the university in neuroscience and knows so much about that that also knows so much about lighting and film and how to edit things and how to use these programs and who also knows so much about spirituality. So as soon as I did that, you know what I did? I carved out a niche for myself and now boom, that's what I'm able to create for myself as a business because there's no one else doing it because I isolated and integrated and improvised and then you see, and I just added those things in. So now, True renaissance, man. <laughs> now you might be asking yourself, okay, but man, that like that that process of isolating and integrating and improvising, you know, it's it's difficult, you know, and uh, it's hard. Earlier, I, I mentioned how we had the the yin and yang symbol. Okay, it's light and dark. The yin and yang symbol largely represents the mastery process. So if you look at the white side of the yin and yang symbol, you have a little dark circle in it. I want you to imagine that to be like a little. Uh, one of those little pipes you have in Super Mario when you're in the light world and then you go down the little pipe and now you're in the dark world, okay? That's what it's like when you're hanging out and you're playing around, but now you see something that it's some new skill set that you want in your life and you know you're gonna have to go learn it. So you go down the little like Super Mario warp pipe into the darkness of isolation. And at first it's pitch black and there's no light at the end of the tunnel when you start that. So if you look at the area right next to that little dot in the yin-yang symbol, that's the isolation aspect. And you're gonna spend a lot of time in there. And then eventually you can start integrating things. And when you start integrating things, you start to see the light. And that's like another little pipe to get you back out into the light. And when you start, you've, you're done isolating and you've been integrating and you really start integrating even more and more and more, gets to a point where you just start improvising and that's when you're back in the light and that's when life feels like fun and that's when life feels like it's just a giant game for you to play um and so again you might be sitting there going like but that's really freaking hard how the hell do i motivate myself to do any of that well that's a, that's a great question and i gotta i got an answer for you what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be setting up systems for ourselves we're going to be setting up basically lanes for ourselves. We're going to be carving out a groove for ourselves to have no choice but to be motivated. Okay? So what I did was I found something called octolysis. Okay? So octolysis is a uh, psychological map, uh, model that uses uh, behaviorism in psychology and relates it to video games. So this was originally created for video games and how to design a really good video game. Um, the reason why is because you can take the laziest person on the planet, and, I, and like a good example, like my roommate back in college who would always smoke weed every day and sleep in, you can take a person like that and you can have them play eight, 10, 20 hours of a video game and not even complain once. Imagine, imagine if you could take your life and you could, you could grind in your life at the same level that you grind in a video game. Imagine if you were to grind in your mind, grind in your exercises, grind in your relationships, grind in your business without any complaints, just like in a video game. Well, it's possible with this model. Okay, so that's what we're- Mind blown, I swear to God. That's what we're going to be doing now. <laughs> using, cut out that little sneeze. Uh, using Octolysis, okay? So- 
Octolysis is based off the following eight things, okay? So we have, what we're looking at right here is an image, um, and half of it is on the top, half of it is on the bottom. There's white hat and black hat things, and then there's also interior of the individual and exterior of the individual type things, okay? Explain the white hat, black hat thing? Yeah. So... What it means to be white hat and what it means to be black hat is basically we're talking about positive and negative reinforcement. Uh, very simply, the carrot and the stick, okay? Which one do you want to be motivated by? You want to be kind of motivated by the fact that, hey, I can get these rewards in my life, the things that are rewarding and sweet in our lives. And then there's also punishments. We raise the stakes for, hey, if we don't do the shit that we need to do, we're gonna we're, we have to recognize that we're gonna suffer for it okay and now we don't actually want to be suffering for it so we're gonna actually have to just make sure to take action so that we don't suffer for it so how do we set up the sweet things we're gonna be talking about things like empowerment meaning and accomplishment no matter who you are as a human it feels great to have, feel empowered in your life feel like you have actual uh, the actual ability to take on new challenges okay we like that feeling we like having meaning in our life we like knowing that we've accomplished things off of our hard labor knowing that we are effective in our own lives and then we have the opposite of that so the opposite of that is avoidance okay the things that are just purely painful the, the punishments that we just don't like okay we're going to be losing money we're going to be losing our girlfriend we're going to be losing our friends we're going to be losing on social side all of these different things then there's also unpredictability okay so we have to get into account we have to take into account how is it uh that we don't know what's going to happen next and how can we start to increase the amount of control we have in our lives? How can we increase the amount of certainty we have in our lives? We can also look at the scarcity aspects. So like how much time do we have left to capitalize on the situation? How, what happens if we don't take action on it? And now something that's not quite white hat or black hat, not quite carrot or stick okay, is a feeling of ownership and a feeling of social influence, okay? It's good to know that what we're doing is influencing others and we're naturally motivated by that as humans. And it's also good to know that we own something, that it's like, it's just ours and only ours and that no one else has that. So to further just dive into this uh, a little bit more, <laughs> So you can understand it. Let's look at something like Instagram, okay? So we can apply everything that I just discussed with Instagram. So I find meaningful things, I find meaningful things like growth and evolving and taking responsibility and increasing your reproductive fitness and maintaining balance in the face of chaos. And so I want my own Instagram to represent that. And I basically like that my Instagram is an attempt to develop those things in my life and hold me accountable for those things, right? And I also like to document my accomplishments in my own life. And I like being able to look at my Instagram and say, yeah, look at this accomplishment that I made. And and hey guys, check this out. Check this, this is a new award that I got. And this is a new uh, a grant of money that I was able to get. And this is a, a new thing, a new level that I was able to achieve, right? I like being able to see that. And I like feeling empowered, you know, when I look at my gram, I like um, knowing that I can be creative in any way that I want. I can create 
whatever new art I can create, any new poem, anything that I want, and it's just mine, and I like that. And then I can also see how I'm rising up in my social influence. I can see how I'm affecting other people, and I can see how I'm growing in my number of followers. And then I can also take ownership of things using my Instagram. I can say, hey, this is clearly mine because uh, no one else in the world has it. Um, you know, right now, as it stands, I, I look at my Instagram and I thoroughly think, yeah, no one else has an Instagram like this. There's not a single person on the planet, you know? So I like having that feeling. And then I also think about the avoidance. I think about, man, every time I take this stupid action, I'm going against the person that I want to be, the person that I present myself at. I'm not living up to that standard that I've set and that I've shown other people. And I try to avoid that, right? I, 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 I don't allow myself, for example, to not meditate because I think to myself, man, if someone finds out that I'm not meditating, they're going to ream me for it. They're going to say I'm some hypocrite. And man... If I don't uh, if I don't capitalize on making this video right now, then I might forget this idea and I'm not going to be able to like put that content out. And man, you know, I, if I don't um, if I don't continue producing new things, then basically I'm going to run out of people's attention. And if I do that, then basically speaking, other people are going to be negatively influenced on their gram. Like if I don't put out the proper amount of content, I know that people miss out and they they go back to sleep with the other messages that they're getting from social media and the world becomes a worse place. And I think about that and that influences me every moment of every day. And so what did I just do? I just turned my life into a video game using Instagram. And I've made it so that I have no choice but to dominate. And, and I've used Instagram to hold myself accountable to do that. Okay, a lot of people, they get freak out about social media, but it's like, no, it's very, very powerful. I turned myself around. I turned my life around from a point where I was going to kill myself and it started off of a promise I made, my, I made to myself three years ago or two years ago. I, I can't even, I think it was three years ago now. A promise that I'd made Whole month. What? What? What do you mean a whole month? The what month? <laughs> it was. You know. You know what? It was. Yeah. It would, it would have been three years ago. It would have been three years ago in like two months, because it was like spring break of college, my junior year, and uh, I'd come back and I said, you know what? I'm gonna turn things around. I'm gonna break up with this girl that I'm seeing. What month is that, by the way? That was. That would have been March or April. Bro, that's the same month. I. Did my thing. Really? That's funny. April of 2015. Yeah, I dude. I broke up my ex and began this journey. Yeah, that's so funny. Look at that's that. That's not a funny thing. That's crazy. That's crazy. Not that's at all. Not a coincidence. There's no coincidences. So, so I I made a promise to myself. I'm going to document my life and I'm going to show the changes that I've made. And you can see it, by the way, people. You can go to my Instagram and see what I used to be like as a person. If you just scroll down, if you just keep scrolling down, you will be able to say, whoa, this guy is completely different from who he used to be. What's your IG? It's uh, at TJ Reeves Mind Body Builder. Back then it was just T Reeves for you or T, or T Reeves 5. Now it's TJ Reeves Mind Body Builder. And it went from at that time, right? I was not doing so well in my life and all I wanted to do was try to like, try to make some way of like standing up. So it was just gonna be a document of, hey, every day I'm gonna be doing some new thing to bring some form of, of happiness into my life, some, some new form of, of positivity into my life and kind of just as a way to 
honestly, at the time, I wanted to shove it in the face of that girlfriend that I that I'd broken up with, and I just wanted it to, to be like a thing of like, I don't need you. I'm doing well in my own life. I did the same thing. And yeah, and, and now now it's turned into a platform for me to put a message out there that whatever suffering you've ever had in your life is something that's going to build you and that you're not going to win at life despite the suffering you've had, but you're going to win at life because of the suffering you've had in your life. And so it's been a complete turnaround. So again, we use this model, we use Octolysis, you know, the good stuff, the meaning and the feeling of accomplishment, empowerment, and social influence and the ownership of the things that you do, and the matter of avoiding um, trying to be a hypocrite and uh, recognizing unpredictable and, and, and recognizing scarcity, we're going to do that to create, to turn our life into a video game at an existential level. So once again, personal development is all about life is all about happiness is all about spotting bullshit in your life is all about setting up systems of intrinsic motivation for the isolation integration and improvisation of complex movements in the four areas of life so that we see nature and take action from a place of non-neediness let's continue on let's talk about these let's talk about these four areas of life mastery waking up cleaning up growing up showing up mind body relationships business what i'd like to propose to you is that we have basically figured out everything that we need to figure out um for you to live an incredible life in every single one of these areas and what i would further like to propose to you is that People get stuck far too often only focusing on one thing. What does that mean? People don't connect Eastern spirituality with Western spirituality. People don't connect any form of spirituality with any form of science. And people don't connect any of that with any of their arts and their business. And, they get, and if they do try to do one, they just get caught up and they only look at that one thing and they only focus that one thing and they only look up to people that are good at only one thing. But as I told you earlier, you want to be a complex mover. That's what you are as a human. That's who you are. That's what you are made to do at a biological level. So don't forget that. Remember that when you're looking at who, who are you going to follow? Who are you going to listen to? Whose advice are you going to take? Understand, are they dominating in only mind? Are they dominating in only body? Only in their relationships? Only in their business? Take that into account. We want to increase our range of motion. Uh, the area that is formed by increasing mastery in each of the core zones of life, okay? And consider that we could propose that each area has 10 distinct levels. Like we can, we can look at our lives as objectively as possible and we can give ourselves a one out of 10 rating in each area of our lives by comparing ourselves to everybody else. And just say like, okay, a 10 is a person who walks into a room and is the best in the world at that subject in that room. If you give them, if, if there's a hundred other people in that room and a one is the person who's the worst in that room at that subject, right? Like there's a difference. Like you're not going to sit there and tell me that there's no difference between 
um, a meditation master who's done it for 50 years and some college sorority girl who's never done it. Are you going to really tell me there's no difference between them? One couldn't tell you more about meditation than the other? Are you going to tell me that there's no difference between a homeless man who's never ran a business in his life and has no money and Elon Musk? Is there really no difference? There is a difference and we understand that. So again, we can rate ourselves one to 10 on each area. And they're connected. They're all connected, but they're distinct. Okay, they're all one, but they're not one. They all affect each other but they're not really affected by each other. So it might seem like you're going all over the place, but you're not. Because if you take care of all the other ones, you take care of the ones that you're not looking at, because you have to if you're gonna be a top performer. And in fact, the people who are tens in any one level, they're also the types of people who are gonna be tens in the other levels, believe it or not. And the people who are ones in one level, it's not surprising when they're ones in all the other ones as well. So the goal is to maximize one's mastery in life mastery of mastery means mastery of all levels in all areas and guess what no one actually has total mastery of mastery and what happens when we do this well guess what when you master life when you master all four areas of life you have emotional mastery that's 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 another way of viewing what we all want out of life okay Mastery requires emotional health and a non-needy outlook. And a non-needy outlook and emotional health require mastery. The more you have of one, the more you have of the others. And the goal is to master one, which thus gives you mastery of them all. If you master your emotions, guess what? You're going to master your life. And in the process of mastering your life and getting disciplined in your mind and your body and your relationships and your business, you're going to be a master of your own emotions because it's going to put you through so much shit that you're going to be like, oh, wait, I know how to take care of this. And so we can look at different people and we can look at their lives and we can see how it is that they're screwing up and we can see how it is our society makes us completely unbalanced in our lives. So what I have here is I have like a graph with Bruce Lee and a typical yogi. In fact, I have this one based off of a Zen master that I studied off of when I was when I was living in Los Angeles and I visited him every single day for weeks on end. And then we also have Jordan Peterson and we also have Elon Musk and then we have an average human, okay? And I have them rated. So I look at, for example, a guy like Elon Musk. When it comes to his business, he's He's a, he's a nine, he's like a 99 out of, he's a 9.9 out of 10. He's about as good as it gets. You're not gonna really find anybody else who's killing it in business as he is. And when it comes to growing up and understanding his relationships, he understand, he can take other people's perspectives pretty well. He can understand systems pretty well, but he's not the greatest in the world. So we can give him like a six out of 10, maybe a seven out of 10. When it comes to waking up and when it comes to spiritual truths and understanding his own mind and understanding the nature of consciousness, he's like a three out of 10. And when it comes to cleaning up his own life, I mean, literally, like you physically look at his, like, look at his body, look at his input into his body. He's not that high up there. He's maybe, maybe a three or a four out of 10. So we have this guy who's killing it in one area. He's 9.9. But then in all other areas, he's like, you know, average to mediocre at best. We look at a guy like a a typical yogi. We look at like Eckhart Tolle. 
You know, Eckhart Tolle, he's doing pretty good in his business. He's like a he's like a five out of ten. Hell, he's making a couple million dollars. I'll give him like a six or seven out of ten. He's doing pretty well. Growing up, when it comes to his relationships, it's like, meh, it's pretty all right. He's got friends, I guess. It's nice enough, you know? But he's not exactly like the best person you would talk to for a relationship advice. He doesn't have the highest level of knowledge when it comes to a lot of psychology. And when you look at his body, mm, come on. There's a clear difference between Eckhart Tolle, okay, or your typical yogi, and a guy like, oh, I don't know, Odell Beckham Jr., you know? And you just have to ask. If I take someone like Eckhart Tolle, and I take his mind, and I clone him, and I make one have the body of Odell Beckham Jr., and he has the same mind as Eckhart Tolle, versus the other one just doesn't is just the way Agatoli is right now. Are you going to really sit there and tell me that one isn't better than the other one? That you wouldn't want to be like Agatoli and Odell Beckham Jr.? You'd just like to only be like Odell, like like Agatoli? No. No, that's not true and that's and you and we all know that that's a lie. And I'm not I'm not fat shaming. It's not some societal thing because I'm a man. It's not because I live in America. It's something that's remained consistent throughout all cultures in all times. So what are we going to do to summarize all of this? Okay, what, what like I've been speaking for a lot. It's been a lot of theory and it seems like, oh man, this hasn't been practical at all. No, this is the most practical thing in the world if you actually understand and you actually get it and you actually employ it in your freaking life. So pay attention. What you're going to be doing is you're going to be starting off by looking at your mind, looking at your body, looking at your relationships and looking at your business, looking at your creativity, your production. Take a real hard look at it and compare it Compare it to the people around you and compare it to what's possible out there in the world. And give yourself a one out of 10. Really examine it. Really examine it. Give yourself that one out of 10. And understand what you're weakest at and what you're best at. Take that that into account. And then look at your social media accounts. Eliminate everything in your social media accounts that doesn't help you address your weaknesses and your strengths. Eliminate everyone about that. And make your social media accounts about what you find most valuable in life. Make your social media accounts about what you're going to be bringing to the table to us as a species. Not you, not bragging about you and how you went to the stupid fucking club last night and how you're going to be fucking this new guy and how you've got this new money and this and that. No. Make it about how you're inspiring other people to help you out live your dreams. Help you out become the best person that you possibly can so that you can make sure that before you die, you let everybody know that you love and care for them through your actions and not your words. Okay? And then, and then... Look at what you can like what you could possibly accomplish and think about how good it would feel if you actually accomplished those things. And and think about how empowered you would feel if you knew that it was off of yourself, that you did it independently, that you don't have to suck the tit of society. You don't have to suck the tit of someone who's giving you salaried pay. You don't have to suck the tit of anybody. You did it on your own. And I'm looking at you women. Women never fucking do it on their own. Do it on your fucking own. Okay? Think about that. Think about that independence you have. And then think about the fact that you're dying and the fact that you're a hypocrite if you say these things and you're not doing these things. Write about it. Take out a pen and paper after the end of this podcast and write about this for an hour. Write about 
what happens if you don't take action? Write about who gets affected. Write about who suffers. Write about how you suffer. Write about how many times you've been embarrassed and ashamed of yourself. Write about all the different people who said you couldn't do it. Write about all the people who said they didn't believe in you. Write about all of that. And I need you to freaking remember that. And remember what happens if you don't take action in your life. You know, this life, this life, it's about going from order into chaos and back to order. It's not only about living in order and making everything neat and perfect for yourself. If you do that, you're screwed and you're not going to go anywhere. And it's not about making everything unpredictable and, and going into chaos and being all over the place and coming up with a million jillion ideas without executing on anything. It's about going from order into chaos and back to order because order represents the known. It represents what's comfortable. It represents what you've mastered and you want to master as many things as possible. And chaos represents the unknown, the uncomfortable and the untamed. And it's the ability to, the willingness to, the courage to step into uncertainty and maintain enough composure to come back with new certainty and the most valuable, um, most valuable, useful, rewarded, exciting skill sets. It's that ability to do that that will make it so that you have an incredible life. This is why we tell stories of heroes. This is why we tell stories of the men and women who've done things in their lives, the legends who inspire us to take on the adventures that are possible. This is what it means to shoot for the fucking stars. It's about being a fucking legend. If you're not playing to fucking be a legend and dominate your life, you're not playing at all because you're stagnating. And as I told you earlier, stagnating, that's death. If you're not growing, you're weakening. If you're not evolving, you're regressing. If you're not taking responsibility, man, that's a sign that you're unconscious, that you're in a coma. If you're not increasing reproductive fitness, if you're not doing something to help out the species as a whole, which, mind you, shares 99.5% of your genetics, so it's in your favor to help out everybody else, not just your family. I hear way too many people talking about, oh, I just want to help my family. No, that's still just ego. Help out everybody. If you do that, you'll live a good life. And if you do that, you'll be happy. TJ Reeves, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Great Avenue. That is TJ Reeves. I'm sitting in front of this young man as of right now. Um, get to know him. Follow him at, at TJ Reeves. Mind the bodybuilder. Thank you guys for listening. Um, probably might want to replay that back and really understand what that is. Find him on Doppler where you can ask him more Q&A questions at TJ on Doppel. D-O-P-P-L-E. That's the new app. Find him at TJ. And thanks, TJ. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you for having me, man.